Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come. You may not know it because you can't see it, but I have cut my hair. The afro you see on the artwork of the show is no more. It was a fun ride. And in the words of Public Enemies Chuck D, bring the noise. On the Fifth Amendment Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Yeah, man, had to be done. Um, had had to, had to be done for myself. Uh, I just felt, uh, you know, it, it's it's gotten hotter uh, in the past um, couple past couple of weeks here in the UK, and. Um, for those that don't know, like, I've never had that, that amount of hair before. Um, I've never experienced that before. Uh, I, I did, I actually didn't think I was able to grow that much hair. Um, so it was a genuine surprise once I actually, you know, got some, got some good shampoo for it, you know what I mean? Just got some good natural shit and, and, uh, moisturizer and that. And, you know, I did, I, it just came, it just came, woof, and, you know, it's, um, I was just incredibly surprised I was able to even have that amount of hair and uh, incredibly guessed to have that amount of hair. And, uh, you know, one day I'll probably grow it again and do something with it for once uh, instead of just uh, just let it flow like I, it's like I did. Uh, but, yeah, man, I'm just happy that uh, I'm able to actually grow that amount of hair. I generally thought I couldn't. Um, so, yeah, man, it's great. But... The heat, the heat, the heat, the heat is not it, Chief. So I just can, I I just couldn't. Uh, uh, it was it was just the humidity just didn't work for me, like in terms of the hair and uh, yeah. So and I'm 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 not used to that. I'm not used to that amount of hair in that kind of heat. Uh, so yeah, I just had to get it trimmed. So uh, yeah, man, got my got my classic fade back. I'm just uh, just chilling, and it's all good in the hood. But yeah, as we came to the show. Um, yeah, because we have a show apparently. Let's start talking to myself. Um, oh, we have a good show today. Uh, two life film, TV, music. Um, this is one of those weeks where like a lot happened, and there was a plenty of. Because I don't know if you guys know, but I try to actively only pick five uh, topics for in a week where, or just five headlines. And uh, yeah, it's actually been hard trying to figure out like because you know I like to keep it light for some of it. I don't want to make it all dark, um, but. Yeah, there was, there was plenty of stuff to talk about this week um, uh, in terms of that and just in terms of the show in general. But, uh, you know, I found some good stuff. I found some interesting stuff uh, worth reading. And, uh, yeah, it's a good mix. I like it. So, without further ado, just jump right in. Email to us at IG. For mates, before we begin, email to us at IG. Discord link, all that, all that, all that in the full show notes. Please go peep the articles, which is also in the full show notes. They shall be linked in the description. And give them a read for yourself and support the writers that uh, put out this great work. And without further ado, and the beat drop. Let's get into the show. week where hay fever is a bitch i'm joking that's not the first one but jesus my hay fever is kicking in today I'm, I'm, i've already started the show but I'm just, i just realized i've got so much more to talk about i'm just like hay fever's killing me like fuck so if you get some uh, sniffles like that um, i apologize uh, for that in advance but for real in a week where floyd, May- floyd mayweather robbed you lot again um like the dude literally says it's I'm committing legal bank robbery and you lot just keep going for it. Don't know why. Don't understand. But it is what it is. Your piece, your pee. I ain't, I ain't going to check your pockets. Uh, United Airlines are running back supersonic flight. So they've uh, bought some uh, supersonic planes or just design. Or Yeah, I, I assume they just bought planes and they're going to, you know, do it up and uh, do their thing. And uh, yeah, by 2029, supersonic flight is going to return. 
Yippee skippies, hope no one dies this time. Uh, in, in a Sarah Everard case, PC Wayne Cousins pleads guilty to kidnap and rape. Uh, the TV BAFTAs award, TV BAFTA awards happened. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that in the former TV segment, um, but uh, yeah, j- just a little bit, bit adjacent, adjacent to the BAFTAs. And lastly, get this: an Italian artist auctioned off an invisible sculpture for eighteen thousand three hundred dollars. I shit you not, ladies and gentlemen. There's literally nothing there, and someone paid. Eighteen thousand and three hundred dollars. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to do with that. So let's just jump right in to the music topic or music segment, and this is all about drill. I'm 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 fascinated with drill because um, I'm not that deep into it. Like just in terms of my taste, uh, you know, there's a couple of drill tracks I like. I mean, you know, bringing it back with a uh, Digger D and uh, AJ Tracy is a banger. Really enjoy that track. Uh, it's definitely gonna be on my list for tracks of the year, songs of the year uh, by the end of the year. Uh, end of year list, but um, yeah, past that, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm indifferent towards drill, to be honest, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a couple of, I get the appeal, I understand the popularity of it, and, you know, I'm aware of it, but just my personal taste, I feel like there's better stuff out there, if you want that kind of, st- if you, if you, if you ask, if ask your steez in terms of lyrical content, uh, I just find the flows a bit samey, uh, but I don't know. May- maybe I'm just being a prude. Who knows? But I found this interesting article, just in terms, uh, just a uh, you know, covering I guess a brief history of the br- the brief history uh, that is drill, and uh, yeah, it just fascinated me. Um, I-, I actually didn't know like where. I mean, I could I could have guessed where it began and stuff like that, but you know, I didn't really know much about drill in its history. You know, I know a couple of names here and there. You know, the they that are um you know integral to the growth of drill, but you know I don't know that much. So this is um the the controversial music uh, that is the sound of global youth. This is by Sam Davis via BBC Culture. It's John Bryan. In 1965, Martin Luther King arrived in Chicago, looking to expand his civil rights campaign beyond the American South. He found a deeply divided city, not governed by the Jim Crow laws which separated southern states, but equally segregated by socio-economic disparity and divisive housing plans. Much of Chicago's black population lived in slums on the south and west sides. King left in 1966 after agreeing an improved housing plan with the mayor, but by March 1967 he himself admitted that much of his work has already been undone. Less than 50 years later... Chicago's deeply disenfranchised black communities give birth to drill, a rap sound that has since spread to London, New York, Paris, Amsterdam, Lisbon, Stockholm, Sydney, Dublin, Seoul, and Kumasi. Named after a slang term for attacks between gangs, drill is ominous hip-hop with lyrics like trap and gangster rap before it about drug dealing and street crime. What distinguishes what what distinguishes drill from uh from other forms of hip-hop it is is its combative energy Jesus is its combative energy <laughs> I feel like combative like it feels like there should be another syllable in there but it's not it's just combative combative uh combative uh, energy and its particular concern with gang conflict and murder whereas trap the Atlanta born rap style that dominated hip hop for most of, for most of the 2000s I would yeah, I'd stop there and uh, you know kind of contest that Trap has dominated the past 10 years, uh, from like, you know, 2010 onwards, I feel, and, you know, go look at the hip-hop charts right now, and see how many trap beats are over there, it's still there, so I feel like trap is the status quo at the moment, but, you know, just wanted to throw that out there as an opinion, um, and most of the 2000s is often rhythmically rigid, uh, with a snare falling on the third beat of each bar, drill moves to skippy, syncopated hi-hat pans echoing the rapid fire of machine gun. As controversial as it is popular from the beginning, drill has been accused of encouraging violence among its youthful audience. But drill's impact is indisputable, placing it among the most important cultural phenomena in a generation. In a late tw- 2019 Pitchfork feature, anointing drill quote uh, the most the decade's most important rap genre uh, subgenre unquote. Mm, Interesting. Uh, writer Alfonso Pierre noted that despite the controversy, drill has spread had spread to a global audience thanks to its frank, lurid portrayal of urban life. Quote, 
The stories were often sad. Teenage rappers forced to grow up in early, grow up early, thrust into the spotlight. Some were against the genre's candid depiction of violence, but this was the real world these rappers lived, and thus rapped about. A world born of conditions that racism led, helped to create, unquote. Peer also referenced uh, uh, reference Drill's impact on Cardi B, one of a number of rap superstars, including Drake and Travis Scott, to size influence. That is not a bad, that's not a bad shout, actually, now I'm thinking about it. Uh, pinpointing Jules' genesis is difficult, but many credit Pac-Man, a rapper from Chicago's South Side, as the first to use the term in a musical context. In 2010, Pac-Man released his one and only mixtape, I Am Still Here, featuring a song called It's a Drill. Its title, a play on words, uh, a play on the words many possible meanings, as a slang term, drilling, men attacking a rival gang with gunfire, we still out here drilling man, Pac-Man, uh, Pac-Man intones on another track from I'm Still Here. Drilling is one term used among me- used a- one term among many in Drill's original slang dialect, along with the omnipresent ops, love that word, ops, uh, opposition competitors, bando, which I hate saying as a British person, just bando, just bando. I, I'm not fit to say that word. Um, abandoned house, you sell drugs, and L, referring to the defeat or loss of a rival. That kind of fascinated me, because I thought that came out of just, like, uh, sports. Because a lot of the time in sports, you see a W or L in the win column, in the column. So I thought I thought that's where it came from, but apparently it's drill. Fascinating. That's something every day. Drill's immediate popularity owed to, owed to two of hip-hop's most prized values, authenticity, or realness, and storytelling. The stories told by Drill artists were unbelievable. Lots of them were true. In 2012, Drill had its first mainstream hit in 16-year-old... Ah, uh, here we go. This is, this is why I know. This is where, I, this is where I, my knowledge comes in of actually knowing what's happening. Uh, mainstream hit in 16-year-old Chief Keys, boisterous single. That's the shit I don't like. It's called I Don't Like, but I just like to say the whole thing. Uh, which reached number 73 on the US hot Billboard Hot 100. But Drill's rising profile was soon hampered by the very violence it had been named after. Pac-Man was killed in 2010. Little Jojo, an 18-year-old Drill rapper and known adversary of Chief Keef, was killed in 2012. Inevitably, these ev- uh, events overshadowed the music. Commentators called on record labels to drop rappers who encouraged violence, echoing the censure of gangster rap in the 1980s and 90s. The entire hip-hop genre was born from urban disenfranchisement. Kids in the most derelict sections of the Bronx in New York congregating at block parties in the street because they were too young or poor to get into discos. Once hip-hop's popularity had spread to the West Coast, artists like the California crew N.W.A. began making what came to be known as gangster rap. Pause right there. Give credit to Schooly D, um, who... Basically, fundamentally started gangster rap. So I just wanted to throw that name out there. Schooly D. Go look him up. Uh, known as a pioneer before NWA even became a thing. Just wanted to, sh- just wanted to shout that out for for uh, prosperity's sake. Uh, which viscerally uh, depicted the gang crime on the streets where they live without judgment. As the music's popularity grew throughout the 80s and 90s, so did police interference. Building tensions epitomised on the NWA single... Fuck the police. Fuck, fuck, fuck the police. Uh, in response, the FBI wrote to NWA's record label complaining that the song encouraged, quote, violence against and disrespect for the law enforcement officer, unquote. But while NWA described notional, notion? yeah, notional anti-establishment violence in their tracks, drillers rap about specific violent incidents in which they themselves are the perpetrators. The veracity of such lyrics is the subject of debate in internet forums and recently courtrooms. From the genre's birth, the belief that drill music has been has to be linked to real-life killing has maintained a sinister presence in the scene. As the genre becomes more mainstream, most listeners and artists have broadened their definitions. But even today, it doesn't take much searching on message boards or social media to find fans arguing that music isn't really drill if the rapper isn't really drilling. Interesting. Uh, Street News TV, a YouTuber who posts videos about the chaotic inner conflicts of the Chicago drill scene uh, to nearly 200,000 subscribers, defines drill in largely non-musical terms. Quote, the drill scene is based on you putting in work in the streets, getting on wax and talking about it, he says. By work, uh, he means drilling, i.e. murdering. He identifies 475 
475, I assume how it said 475 or 475, who knows. A 2006 track in which Atlanta rapper Gucci Mane purportedly referenced an incident where he shot and killed someone as the first ever drill song. Uh, brackets, most fans believe the victim apparently referred to was an associate of Young Jeezy, a rapper in board in a war with Gucci Mane. Unbrackets. In spite, or perhaps uh, because of the controversy, drillers like Chief Keef attracted widespread attention. But the drill sound uh, now permeating the globe is markedly different from that of the early Chicago artists. Before reaching a truly international audience, drill spawned a vibrant London scene where the music underwent a number of crucial developments. Among them were the production techniques that became key to the updated formula. Most notably, the addition of deep surges of bass. Stuff like that. Uh, Variously described as revs, growls and slides. At the end of each bar, playing out quick mini melodies rarely heard as such low register in other genres. I do enjoy that that side of it. I, I do enjoy that. I like that. Like, I hate in drum and bass now, like how drum, all drum and bass tracks have that wub, 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 wub. It's just... It's just annoying, um, and just it's just a pointless addition to anything. It doesn't doesn't help me enjoy it more. It's like it's just it's just why, but um, yeah. But the the in the drill tracks bangs. Uh, Corey Johnson, a former rapper and veteran of the British rap scene, who witnessed much of UK's drill earlier iterations at his Defenders Entertainment Studios in South London. Uh, says producers and engineers added these sounds to compensate for rappers not providing enough lyrics to fill bars. <laughs> that is that is very honest, and I appreciate that. Quote: They're just not. Uh, they're just going on the tune, saying what they got to say, and then they're done. Says Johnson. But brother, you gotta say a few more lines. They're like nah. So the engineers have to do that. Ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. Uh, that's coming from real kids off the street that don't know how to count music. Then become this thing everyone that everyone's into. Unquote. Uh, UK drill is also linked with gang conflicts, though uh, Though in London, drilling gained a new meaning. In 2017, a, uh, in, in a 2017 report in Fact magazine, a teenager from a Brixton youth centre quote, is quoted as saying, quote, uh, If Chicago drill is gun, ours is a knife, unquote. While UK drill rappers still re- reference firearms, they added slang terms like Rambo, knife, and splash, stab, to the drill lexicon. Ops remained. Uh, while the nature of the violence uh, referenced uh, was different from Chicago, the controversy it generated was much the same. In 2017, rising numbers of London stabbies promoted uh, Mayor Sadiq Khan to criticise YouTube for failing to remove drill videos, which he argued glorified knife crime. In May 2018, YouTube responded, removing more than 30 videos after being petitioned by London's Metropolitan Police. A month after, uh, a month later, West London drill crew 1011—I'm assuming that's how you say it—or 1011, who knows. Uh, were banned from making music without police permission. Then in 2019, du- uh, duo AM and Skengdo uh, received suspended prison sentences for performing a song at a London show. Meanwhile, tabloid newspapers criticised Apple and Spotify for quote-unquote selling banned violent drill music. However, while the relationship between drill and violence uh, has remained a, latter, a, main, a matter of life debate and, many would argue, central to its very existence, Drill artists around the world have increasingly added new facets to the game, uh, to the genre, sorry. I wasn't reading it, I was just looking at my levels as soon as I said I saw G, and I was like, eh, it's probably game. As the influence of UK drill spread back across the Atlantic, among most among the most significant of new wave of US drill artists was Pop Smoke, a drill rapper from Brooklyn who achieved viral fame in 2019 after working with London producer 808 Mellow. Uh, but while Pop Smoke rapped about ops, violence was never the emphasis. His lyrics were designed to make fans laugh, swoon, dance, or even jerk jerk tears. Uh, welcome to the party he growled in one of his many viral hits. For many, Pot Smoke signified a watershed moment for the genre, sh- changing what it meant to make drill. Quote, you can use drill beats and not talk about drilling, says Officer. Yeah, that's great. That's a great way of saying it. Officer. Uh, drill rapper from Drogheda. Is that how you say Drogheda? I think I say it's Drogheda. Uh, a tiny uh, Irish town 30 miles north of Dublin. Uh, Pot Smoke was a perfect example of that. Uh, unquote. In late 2020, Officer and his uh, crew A92 recorded Plugged In, a freestyle that became a hit after thousands of u- thousands used snippets of the track to soundtrack their TikTok videos. Quote, That's a good thing about TikTok now, Officer says. I think the violence in Drill is kind of departing uh, because everyone's dot 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 having fun, dancing. Do you get me? Unquote. In the last two years especially, Drill has started to look like a truly global movement. French drill emerged with the sound quote with the sound of the English scene in one ear and Brooklyn in the other, as French music magazine 
les enroc enrocutables enroc enrocutables enrocutables fucking hell, I hate oh, I suck at French sometimes <laughs> uh, reported in May 2020 while much of Europe follows suit excuse me followed suit with artists in Italy Germany the Netherlands Portugal Spain and Poland making drill largely indebted to pop smoke and the UK 2019 pop smoke's influence hit Africa with drill scenes emerging in Kenya Nigeria South Africa and Mozambique Chico God, a drill rapper from Kumasi, Ghana, was at a rave when he heard drill for the first time. Quote, I was like, what is this? Unquote. Uh, another quote, he, it was so different. The way it played out from the speakers was so magical. So I had to shazam the song and realise it was somebody called Pop Smoke. I think by the end of the week, everybody knew, everybody I knew was caught up on Pop Smoke. Unquote. The subsequent Kumasi scene bore such a resemblance to what, what was going on in Brooklyn that many started it calling it Kumerica. I like that. Uh, by 2020, uh, popular drawers could be found in countries as far flung as Sweden, Brazil, Australia, and Korea. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, oh, how long have I gone? Oh, 22 minutes? Oh, this is a really long article, fuck. Um, okay, I'm going to skip to the end because I found... Uh, uh, I found uh, uh, let me get into the last couple of paragraphs here. Because uh, uh, it, it, talking about the future of drill, basically. Uh, no matter how it's police, Drill's global rise feels unstoppable. At the time of writing, Ghana's drill scene is fast becoming the hottest in the world, completing a loop which, before London, before Chicago, even before hip-hop highs in the Bronx, began with Jamaican sound systems and, before that, the African drum. Quote, as we as Africans, the drill speaks to us differently, says Chico God. His definition of drill is broad progressive, is a, is broad progressive dynamic. Drill is a lifestyle. It's about what we see, go through in, society, in a society what society has made us. Well, uh, we talk about the good, we talk about the bad, quote-unquote. For him, liking drill suggests open-mindedness to a, uh, in a listener, uh, quote, because the people listening to that sound, I'm sure, have decided to listen without trying to judge the person. Not everybody likes it, and if you like it, then you relate to it in some way, somehow. Uh, anybody can relate to it, you just have to listen. You just have to pay attention to what the person is saying, unquote. As progressive perspective remain prevalent too, however, there are still drilled fans who seem more interested in crime, and specifically murder, than music on YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat and TikTok. Fans have been known to post scoreboards uh, awarding points to drill rappers for their alleged involvement in attacks on ops. As well as frequent tabloid attention, such practices have attracted criticism from people with close connections of the drill scene. Uh, Sace, is that how you say the name? Sace Holmes Lewis, or Sachi? Uh, Holmes Lewis, founder of mentoring pro organization Mentivity, uh, was with drill rapper uh, Raheem Barton, aka GB, shortly before he was killed in 2018. Holmes Lewis told Sky News he had seen people bragging about Barton's death on social media. Quote, It was sickening and it made me very severely upset, he said, adding that such posts were likely to provoke uh, more violence if they were not removed. As Drill looks to the future, divisions between Drill musicians may deepen. Some will cling to the sound's murderous origins, some will use violent lyrics that are, that are merely metaphorical, and some will champion Drill as a musical style that has long since transcended, transcended its violent roots. While it may always be divisive and densely complicated, Drill is now firmly entrenched in modern pop culture, influencing mainstream pop stars, conquering audiences around the world, and reaching millions of listeners. For Chico God, there's a simple reason for his popularity. Quote, You realise that there's more to it when people think uh, that it's just the violence and that. Yeah, for sure, it's the violence. But at the same time, it's not that deep. People just want to dance. Unquote. And that's an interesting way of finishing it. And an interesting way of just like thinking about it. Obviously, I skipped a lot of the article. Um, the, please get into that because it's a really good article. Um, just for, you know, shout out to, uh, to that article. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, it is interesting how I, I guess I see, I always saw it as just like the murder thing, and not that, it did, not that like that distastes me or anything. That wasn't, the, that's not the reason I, I don't really um, rate drill that highly as a personal taste. Um, it was more about, uh, it, it was just more about style. I, I just didn't really rate the style that highly. Uh, I just found all the beats samey and flows very samey, and the only difference was uh, how deep the person's voice got. Um, so. You know, but uh, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, the Drill has actually gone so international. And uh, that really says a lot uh, to me. It speaks a lot to me. 
especially when I always think the way I always think about hip hop is always is always at first thing is how international it is, it is and how global hip hop is as a culture. And thinking about drill, which is you know, um, uh, you know, obviously been going along for you know past decades, and you know, it's only recently in the past few years really blew up as a as a as a as a subgenre. Um, it really just shows me that uh, you know, hip hop as a culture is very impressive and just a, hey man, black culture, bro, black culture is so so so. <laughs> abundant like it's actually crazy how abundant it is like it's, it's it's absolutely crazy like coming out of you know these really you know starting off with that Martin Luther King bit and uh talking about how, where Chicago was supposed to be and where it has been stuck in the past 50 years just tells me so much and uh you know and how it how all of this comes out of that is just um an outstanding thing to think about so uh hey man shout out to Drill if you guys are into drill, go for it, man. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll find some good, uh, you know, some drill that I'll rate someday. Uh, you know, I've only found a few tracks here and there, uh, but yeah, man. It's, uh, it's only it's only the beginning for for, for drill, so uh, salute in that fashion. We hop on to sec- uh, the first of two live uh, segments, and uh, I did kind of do this on purpose, especially especially one that once I had both of these, both of the previous article and this article, I was just like, yeah, let's back to back this. It, 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 it seems reasonable to back to back it. Um, so this article is by Miss uh, Carol Anderson, who is the Charles Howard Candler uh, Professor of American uh, African American Studies at Emory University, and she's also the author of White Rage and the Second. Uh, race and guns in a fatally unequal America. Uh, this is via the Guardian, and it's called "America's Gun Obsession is Rooted in Slavery." And uh, I, th- I think Eromix Kendi shared this on Twitter, and I was just like, "Well, shit! If Eromix Kendi is going to share it, then I'm going to read it." And uh, it is very fascinating. I, f- I find uh, so really, I-, I find the American gun debate uh, very just interesting as a as a as a, as a conversation, and. Uh, I really don't think it's going to improve um, in any way. Uh, a lot of the people I talk to, um, like American friends, uh, they tell me uh, they always reference Sandy Hook, uh, where the kids, uh, the, the 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 one the uh, the children's school massacre, um, and uh, they they always reference that one, saying like, you know, once we were fine with mass shootings of kids, then you know, it's just there's nothing there's nothing to go there's nothing to deepen you know i mean that's that's the that's the bottom you know i mean just watching uh, a mass shooting of kids fine go for it like it's just that's actually how they think and uh i can i can agree to that pessimistic attitude i can imagine um just how yeah just how uh uh lacking in hope there is uh, as pertains to you know guns being Either re- just even regulated, you know, you know, just uh, uh, not even like gone in general, but just just even being regulated properly. Uh, so let's jump right in. Uh, bodies are piling up all over the Second Amendment uh, as two of America's pandemics converge: the plague of gun violence and the inability to amount uh, to mount an effective response, even in the wake of mass- multiple mass shootings, is unfortunately rooted in another pandemic group in the United States: anti-blackness and the sense that African Americans are a dangerous threat. They can only be neutralised or stopped by a well-armed white citizenry. citizenry. For too long, uh, the Second Amendment has has been portrayed uh, with a founding father's aura swaddled in the Stars and Stripes. But a quote-unquote well-regulated militia wasn't, as the story goes, about how uh, valiant, yeah, valiant uh, and effective the milita- militias were in repelling the British. George Washington was disgusted with their lack of fighting ability and the way the men would just cut and run from uh, from battling against a professional army. Nor was the militia reliable as a force to uphold the law. In Shay's Rebellion... Ow! I hit my elbow on the table. Uh, uh, militia reliable as a force to uphold the law. In Shay's Rebellion, bands of armed white men who were in the state's militia attacked the Massachusetts government uh, because of foreclosures and debt seizures. Demonstrating again how unreliable the militia were. Boston merchants, 
had to hire mercenaries to put down the rebellion. On the other hand, where the militia had been steadfast was in controlling uh, the enslaved black population. Access to guns for white people was essential for this function. In 1788, at the Constitutional Ratification Convention in Virginia, a major source of contention was that the draft constitution had placed the training and arming of the state's militia under federal control. Virginians Patrick Henry and George Mason balked and raised the spectre of a massive slave revolt left unchecked because Congress could not be trusted to summon the forces to protect the plantation owners. Mason warned that if and when Virginia's enslaved rose up, as they had before, whites would be left defenseless, quote-unquote. Patrick Henry explained that white plantation owners would be abandoned because, quote, the North detests slavery, unquote. In short, black people had to be subjugated and contained, and states' control of the militia was the way to do that. The sheer brutality of human bondage, whether where plantation owners were notorious for barbarity, quote, barbarity such as scalding, burning, castrating, and extracting the tongues of or eyes of slaves, unquote, had created an overwhelming fear among whites of the enslaved capacity and desire for retribution. A series of revolts in the 1600s, yeah, 1600s and 1700s, terrified uh, white residents uh, and led to a slew of laws forbidding black people from having any weapons, including guns. The militia's all-important role was to quash those revolts, especially if the uprising was widespread, as in the 1740 Stoner Rebellion in South Carolina. The function of the militias was so important during the War of Independence that governments such as the South Carolina, uh, such as that in South Carolina, devoted the lion's share of the white of their white manpower to the containment of the enslaved. As a result, the colony did not have enough white men to uh, join the Continental Army and repel the British. Their calculus was simple: it was more important to the plantation owners in the colonial government to uh, in the colonial government to maintain slavery and control black people than to fight for American independence. In other words, concerns about keeping enslaved black people in check are the context and background to the Second Amendment. The same holds true for today. In May, tw- May 2000, NRA President Charlton Heston... Like, the, the Charlton Heston? Like, the... What? Can't be. I'm going to look that up later. NRA President Charlton Heston invoked the Constitution and then asserted, as he held a 19th century era rifle over his head, that the only way that Al Gore and other liberals would take his gun would be, quote, from my cold head hands, unquote. That unyielding statement was a response to his people uh, supposedly being under attack. Three years earlier, Heston had declared, Heaven help the God-fearing, law-abiding, Caucasian middle-class, Protestant, or even worse, admitted heterosexual, gun-owning, or even worse, NRA card-carrying, average working stiff, unquote. Glorious, it's glorious uh, set of words there. Nearly two decades later, the Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Bobert, who bragged about carrying her Glock to work in Washington, D.C., echoed that same defiance and fear as she wrote to her follow- followers, quote, I told Beto O'Rourke, hell no to taking our guns, unquote. <clears throat> Without weapons, she exclaimed in a fundraising ad, her overwhelmingly white constituency would be left defenseless against, quote, Gang members, drug runners, and thugs, unquote. Pejoratives are often deployed as synonyms for African Americans. Previously, Dana Loesch, NRA spokeswoman, had painted a similar picture of, quote-unquote, them, screaming racism, breaking windows, burning cars, bullying and terrorizing the law-abiding. And she added that uh, when the police are called to stop the madness, stop this madness, they get outraged. The only way we save our country and our freedom, she asserted, is to, quote, Fight this violence of liars with the clenched fist of truth, unquote. Clearly the same clenched one that Heston held uh, over his head holding a gun. Thus, the slaughters in Sandy Hook, the Pulse Club in Orlando, Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston and San Bernardino did not lead to any meaningful gun safety laws despite the staggering casualties. The rampant anti-blackness that dominated Barack Obama's presidency helped to short-circuit a tangible legislative response. Instead, the fear of being left defenseless to a nation with a sizable black population and a black leadership was palpable. Gun sales soared by 158%, as did the rise of anti-black right-wing militias. 
the Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, who has an A rating from the NRA, sums it up. He <laughs> fucking they get a rating. Okay, uh, he didn't fear white insurrectionists who stormed the U.S. Capitol, injured 140 police officers, built gallows to hang Mike Pence, uh, and hunted for Nancy Pelosi. He would have been afraid, however, if it had been Black Lives Matter. Indeed, because that fear and the Second Amendment mean that Black Lives don't matter, and why uh, and whites and others. Uh, caught in the crosshairs of mass shootings are the collateral damage and pay the price. <sighs> so that's the entire of the article. Um, I, I find my, my overriding thought towards this is like, while this is all great, right? This this piece is just a great read and, uh, you know, it's, it makes sense. Like the connection she's making um, is really interesting and uh, is understandable and I can clock that, right? <sighs> But this is not even a this is not even a place where like the overall conversation is like the, the, if 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 Carol Anderson and other you know uh, uh, leading black voices or leading black academics um, make this case right and make it heard, um, it will fall on so many deaf ears, and that is just depressing to think about, right? Like I said, they're not even getting to. They're not. They can't. They can barely have a conversation about just uh, about just something as simple as like a background check, right? Something as simple as that that people are struggling to like get that through. And so, Carol Anderson, shout out to you um, for just dropping this. But I feel like you are so ahead of the game. Um, it's it's a it's nearly it's it's de- it's a little bit depressing of how far ahead of the conversation she is here. Uh, you know, well worthy to think about. Uh, it, it just it just can't be it just can't be thought about because America Americans and their guns, man, they 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 can they can't get their head around the racial side of it because uh, they just can't even get their head head around the the safety of it, the the violence of it. They can't even get their heads around the simplicity of what guns are for. You know what I mean? They're they're battling about the definitions of that. And you're talking about the racial elements of it? I mean, big ups to you. I'm here for it. I'm here for that conversation. Uh, But, jeez, man, you are way, way ahead of the the general US uh, gun ownership. And we now move on to our second life segment of the episode, and it is all about Tank Man. And if you don't know about Tank Man, it is that iconic photo uh, during the Tiananmen Square massacre, which is uh, a bit, uh, the anniversary of which has uh, come come and gone in the past week. Because um, easy talking about uh, you know the fact that Hong Kong have uh, you know have for years been recognizing Tiananmen Square. The Tiananmen Square massacre. Obviously, China have you know literally just wipe try to wipe it from history. Obviously, uh, because uh, you know shameful uh, part of their history, the fact that you know they literally just unloaded the clip on their own people. Um, But yeah, Hong Kong obviously since they were in some ways independent, uh, and now they're not. you know, Chinese have uh, completely locked them down, and they weren't allowed to host vigils. And those who attempted to, uh, obviously, were arrested. Uh, but I wanted to talk about the story behind the iconic Tank Man photo, which is the, which is the uh, title of this uh, article. Because I was watching this on, I was watching on, I think Channel Four uh, News about it, and uh, just just thinking about, you know, just Tank Man in general. It's just like because the video always stops at a certain point. Like every single time the video is shown, it stops at a certain point. I thought the Tank Man dude got run over. I mean, th- I mean, th- there's a whole massacre going around. You think they won't run run a dude over? I generally thought that was the case. I I literally thought the dude just got you know just flattened by a tank, and they just kept him moving. Um, but uh, apparently, according to the cycle, they di- he didn't. Uh, a spoiler alert, guys. Um, but I was I was just fascinated by the photo itself because I actually didn't know the story. So uh, I thought this is a good article to read, nice and short. Um, well, well, not short, but, you know, 
shorter than the rest that I've done today. Um, so yeah, let's uh, without further ado, let's, let's just jump right in. So it's by uh, Carl Almond uh, from CNN, and uh, it features uh, photographs by Jeff Widener, uh, who for AP, uh, who uh, it, you know the shot of the tank man is most of the time it's his it's the photo that uh, he took. So uh, it's about it's just the background of the of the actual uh, tank man photo. So let's just jump right in. At first, Jeff Widener was annoyed by the man entering his shot. Widener, a photographer with the Associated Press, was focusing his camera on the line of tanks in Beijing's Tiananmen Square, where out of the blue came this man in a white shirt and dark trousers, carrying what appeared to be shopping bags. Widener thought the man was going to mess up the composition of his frame. Little did he know that he was about to make one to one of the most iconic photos in history. It was June 5th, 1989, a day after the Chinese troop began, tr- troops began violently cracking down on pro-democracy pro-democracy demonstrators who had been in the square for over a month. Widener had been uh, in Beijing for a week to cover the protests and he was uh, and he was hurt when the deadly crackdown began. Quote, I was hit in the head by a protester rock in the early morning of June 4th and I was also suffering from the flu, Widener said. So I was quite ill and injured when I photographed Tank Man from the fourth, sixth floor balcony of the, of the Beijing mo- hotel. I said, need to say motel. Uh, unquote. The hotel had the best vantage point of the square, which is now under mili- uh, which was now under military control. An American exchange student, Kirk Martson, helped sneak him in. From a hotel, from the hotel balcony, Widener watched as the man confronted the lead tank. Excuse me, standing directly in front of it, the tank stopped. To, excuse me, tried to go around the man. The man moved with the tank, blocking his path once again. At one point during the standoff, the man climbed aboard the lead tank and appeared to speak who- to whoever was inside. Uh, quote, I was about half a mile away from the row of tanks and I could not really hear much, uh, Widener said. The man was eventually pulled away by onlookers. To this day, we don't know who he is and what happened to him, but he remains a powerful symbol of defiance. Uh, some great photos here, by the way, um, in the article itself. So if you want to go see some really good photos just covering, uh, I assume they're all by Widener. Uh, they're really good, so if you want to go peep. Uh, by this point, the Chinese government was trying to desperately uh, was trying desperately to control the message going out to the world. Several days before the crackdown began, China had made efforts to stop all American news outlets, including CNN, from broadcasting live in Beijing. Quote, there was always a huge risk of being arrested and having film confiscated, Widener said. Uh, Martson, the student who helped Widener get into the Beijing motel, put the tank man film in his underwear and smuggled it, smuggled it out of the hotel. Uh, the pictures were soon transmitted over telephone lines to the rest of the world. How does that work? How do you transmit telephone lines? Huh. Several media outlets took a photo of Tank Man, but Widener's shot was the most used. It appeared on the front page of newspapers all around the world, and it was nominated uh, for uh, that year for a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, I wonder what beat it. I'm going to look at that up later. Uh, quote, Though I knew the picture was highly acclaimed, it wasn't until uh, years later when I saw an <laughs> when I saw an AOL post throwback uh, where my image was named one of the top ten most memorable photos of all time. That was the first time I realised that I comp- uh, accomplished something extraordinary. Widener said uh, the protest in Beijing started after the death of former communist leader Hu Yaobang uh, on April 18, 1989 who had worked uh, to move China toward a more open political system, and he had become a symbol of democratic reform. Morning students marched, uh, marched to Tiananmen Square to call for more, to call for a more democratic government. God, I wonder where they're at now, and <laughs> if they're fine with what's going on. Interesting. Um, thousands of people joined the students over the next few weeks to protest China's communist uh, rulers. A rally on May 19th uh, drew an estimated 1.2 million people, a 33-foot-tall statue, the goddess of democracy, was built in four days and placed in the square. Quote, there was a carnival atmosphere and a lightness in the air, Widen record. Uh, I think most of the media was, media, media, was, uh, was swept, media, how do I say it like that? Media, yeah, media, that's media, what's that? Was swept up in the whole affair. And I personally found it amazing that there was a statue of democracy across the Shenyang, uh, I'm assuming how you say Shenyang Boulevard, which faced off against uh, the giant Mao portrait symbolizing communism. Chinese cr- troops began firing on demonstrators at about 1 a.m. on June 4th. Uh, there has never been an official death toll uh, released. Estimates range from several hundreds to thousands. 
It has also been estimated that as many as 10,000 people were arrested during and after the protest. Several dozen were executed. Widener spent a week in Beijing after the crackdown began. Then he got out. Quote, I was sick with the flu, suffering from a head injury and scared to death when I left the airport, he said. To this day, his photos and anything referring to the massacre are banned in China. Which, no shit. <laughs> like, duh. <laughs> of course, of course it's going to be fucking banned in China. Fucking hell, if, he, if he steps foot in fucking Chinese soil, he's fucked. <laughs> he is never going there again, my gosh. Um, yeah, I just I just find that whole tank man photo fascinating, and I find, I do find Tiananmen Square as a as an event very fascinating, and the fact that, like, you know the, I mean I, I I'm not like you know, am I? I don't know if I'm like you know the democracy guy, you know? um, because I'm not exactly into communism either, but like, it's interesting how just uh how communism won so strongly after this, you know what I mean, and how there was just nothing afterwards. Or, or so, or so I'm aware of. Um, it's just a massacre, and yeah, they've they've just successfully, you know, wiped it from Chinese history. Didn't happen. Like I just find that so weird from a human level, like from an individual level. Like you didn't even have, even if you weren't like one of the people that participated in the uh, in the uh, protest, right? You must like think about it. You m- you must think about it in some way of just like raw. Our country really did just like wipe that shit from memory uh wipe it from the records you know what i mean i just like that, that that type of cleansing is not this is men in black you know what i mean they, they can't neuralize everybody and put on black glasses you know what i mean it, it can't happen like you know on an individual level i'm sure there must be a majority of chinese people of the chinese population that just know the massacre existed but they're just afraid to talk about it for obvious reasons and that's and i get that right but surely Surely, there's some indivi- on an individual level, people like remember it, or th- surely they just cho- they don't choose not to. You know what I mean? Surely they remember, but either way, man, yeah, you, you ain't talking about that in Chinese public. <laughs> trying to try to mention that on Chinese TV, see what happens. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's uh, the whole thing's crazy, but uh, I just find that Tank Man photo really really interesting. Um, and yeah, I. I mean, I, f- I think I feel like I I had some uh, a smart way of thinking that he got run over, right? Uh, am I stupid for thinking that? Maybe, but uh, yeah, I guess he was pulled away and never to be seen from again. So, but uh, you know, if he is alive, uh, shout out to Tankman! Shout out to Tankman! So we finish up with film and TV segment, and uh, I said I was going to talk about the BAFTAs, and this is the adjacent uh, reason why I'm talking about the BAFTAs, because uh, uh, recently, oh, well, the, the BAFTAs came and has come and gone, obviously, and uh, TV drama sitting in limbo, uh, which was a 90-minute, uh, uh, just one-off uh, film uh, on the BBC, uh, won uh, BAFTA for uh, I think uh, single drama, and. I, I saw the I saw the film and it is amazing. And if you guys haven't seen the film, please go watch it. It's really it's it's just really uh, heartbreaking and just really just the tension of it and the fact that this is not just Anthony Bryan, but it's a lot of other people. Um, you know, if 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 my dad wasn't born in Stoke Newington and you know brought over here by his, by his mother my dad would have probably been in the same boat in some way uh but you know luckily in some way i guess lucky um it was born in london and you know that's that's but you know i can't i can't, I can't imagine <laughs> i need went some i mean he went down the dark path but let's not do that um but yeah i i just i saw it and i loved it i loved the film and you know the story of anthony bryan is forever in 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 a and the story of the windrush scandal obviously is uh, forever uh, going to be talked about in in uh, Black British history, especially. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about this in some way, and I'll get into the article in a sec, um, is because of I, I while I like films like these, you know, based on a true story, and you know, biopics in general, I do I do feel a bit of distaste, and it's something that I've recently gained. 
um, where you know the subject of that person is just completely forgotten about, even if the film is like you know, or the show is you know lauded and given all the awards, but then the person's still suffering. You know what I mean? The person being covered in real life, uh, their real life story is still suffering. The best uh, example I can give, the biggest example I can give, is uh, when you know Judas and Black Messiah obviously won several awards, you know, during the award season. And at the same time, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but uh, I think it was something like there was a GoFundMe for the fre- uh, for uh, for the Hampton House. Uh, I guess they 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 I don't know had money. They didn't have money and they needed funding desperately. Like that's the shit that I'm talking about. Like you happily make a film, you know what I mean, about Fred Hampton, the story of how he got assassinated, right? And you know have all this powerful messaging behind it. You know, albeit Vaseline, in my view. And you just allow this to happen. You know what I mean? Like there should be there should be added impetus to um to not just make the film and to tell the story, but to also, you know, help the people that are still fighting that daily fight. Um, as it pertains to something like the Fred Hampton House, or for someone like Anthony Bryan, or for everyone in the Windrush scandal, you know what I mean? So uh, that's that's kind of why I Wanted to read this article uh, in my main reasoning. But it's a good article, nevertheless. Uh, so this is by Miss Nadine White. Shout out to Nadine. Um, it's by The Independent. Anthony Bryan, my Windrush drama won a BAFTA, but I still haven't received compensation. So let's jump right in. The man behind the BAFTA winning award drama, uh, BAFTA award-winning drama about the Windrush scandal has yet to receive compensation from the Home Office, The Independent can reveal. Anthony Bryan, whose story inspired BBC drama Sitting in Nimbo, said winning Best Single Drama was bittersweet, given his ongoing battle with the government. Just hours before the award ceremony on Sunday, a representative from the Home Office contacted Mr. Bryan to offer him a package that he described as quote-unquote insulting. A 62-year-old was similarly contacted about conversation by government officials days before the TV drama, written by his screenwriter and novelist brother Stephen S. Thompson, uh, Stephen, Stephen S. Thompson uh, aired in June 2020. I didn't know it was his brother, uh, novelist brother. That's uh, screenwriter novelist brother. I didn't even know it was, was right. That's fascinating. I love that. I love that. Uh, I, I just, uh, yeah, that's great. I love that. Uh, that little wrinkle. Uh, quote: I feel great for my brother, really, and the uh, wind has lifted me up a bit, to be honest. Uh, Mr. Brian said, "I didn't expect it to resonate with so many people." Dot dot dot. I was surprised that it had uh, such a big impact, but I'm very glad that it did. But it was all very bittersweet, and it hasn't really sunk in. I was up. Un- it was, I was up until about two a.m. in disbelief over the fact that my story has won a BAFTA, but yet things haven't moved on for me. Unquote. He added, "It would be nice if I were able to move on with my life." Uh, Mr. Bryan from North London, who was unlawf- was unlawfully detained by authorities twice and told he would be deported back to Jamaica, which he left in 1965 when he was eight. The former decorator said he feared being denied re-entry to the UK if he visited his mother in Jamaica. Having learned her health was poor, around the same time he felt the impact of the government's hostile environment towards immigrants uh, 20, in 2015. Uh, Mr. Bryant Mr. was abruptly dismissed from his job the same year and forced to rely on family members for financial assistance. He finally received a biometric res- uh, residence permit from the Home Office in May 2018. Quote, I remember breaking down crying while detained. On one occasion, I j- just buried my son and people ar- uh, around just ignoring me, Mr. Brian recalled. When I think of what I've been through, I break out in cold sweats. I still get stressed out and to this day, I can't cope with hearing uh, the banging of doors because it makes me very nervous and takes me back to the dark t- that dark time in my life, unquote. The Windrush survivor has declined the Home Office conversation offer, which uh, amounts to around 90k. Last summer, Mr. Bryan accepted an interim payment of 30k, which was offered just before sitting in Nimbo was broadcast last year. From his most recent offer, the government would deduct that uh, would, du- would deduct from that amount, leaving him with 60k. Uh, quote: It was very insulting offer. That's what the Home Office thinks I am worth after everything I've gone through. He said. Uh, what's more, Mr. Bryan said that the government has not factored in uh, his post-traumatic st- his PTSD diagnosis, which came as a result of his immigration ordeal. Uh, Mr. Bryan is experiencing additional health challenges, including a recent diagnosis of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Jesus Christ. Bloody hell. Which means uh, he hasn't been able to work since last February and is sometimes unable to even venture outside his, uh, on his own. Quote, I'm supposed to be able to move uh, move on by now, but this process keeps dragging me on and on, he said. 
If I didn't have the support of my missus and my son, I would have been deported to Jamaica uh, because I didn't have the strength to fight this on my own, unquote. Mr. Bryan's case was one of many highlighted when it emerged mem- when it emerged members of the Windrush generation were being deported, detained, and denied health denied healthcare, work, and housing despite having a legal right to be in the UK. Having a citizenship, uh, having arrived as a ch- as children, many assumed their citizenship was secured automatically and have struggled to prove their rights to uh, residence under tough conditions in the so-called hostile environment created under Theresa May when she was Home Secretary. Uh, Windrush campaigner Patrick Vernon told the Independent, "Quote the recent National Audit Office uh, report now makes the ca- now makes the case that the compensation scheme needs to be removed from the Home Office." The scheme is not designed in the spirit of restorative justice or righting the wrongs uh, caused by the scandal, as the caseworkers and, and administration systems are not qualified to deal with the complex nature of its financial, emotional and cultural impact because of the hostile environment. Uh, with the success of sitting in limbo, I hope more people will sign my petition, which calls for the conversation scheme to be taken away from the government. 21 dead and nothing said. He added, referring to the number of people affected by the scandal who died before receiving compensation. It comes to it comes as Pre Patel insisted the Windrush compensation scheme has quote unquote fundamentally changed in the last six months. She told the House of Commons on Monday that since an overhaul in December, the Home Office has paid out six times more than the previous total. That's um like that's uh, the whole a whole ordeal is just incredibly depressing and you know I've talked about it at nauseum you know I'm not going to talk about it you know too deep um but I I want to take it back just the just to the point of when people do you know stuff like biopics and these it's based on true story stuff I didn't know that the writer uh, of the of the um uh, of the film was his brother and I find that just superb. Uh, to think about, I, I find that just perfect to have somebody so close knit to the story really makes it worthwhile. But there's, but for something like Juice and Black Messiah, which is you know, while it was produced by three black men, and you know, we can gas up as much as we want to, I can't help but th- and you know, Fred Hampton uh, Jr. I think that's I, th- I think I think he's I think he's Jr. Um, you know, while he while he was part of the part of the whole thing, and you know, had had a had a say, I guess, in something. Uh, it's still, you know, they're still trying to get funding for the house and shit like that. Like, and you know, this film made how much money? Let me let me Google that right quick. Let me let me let me let me get that up right quick. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, gross. Uh, obviously, you know, since it was uh, before, you know. Uh, 6.5 million US dollars. So yeah, that, that that that's that 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 would pay for the house tenfold. Uh, let me let me look up the Hampton House. Uh, Hampton House. Uh, where where is it again? Sh- uh, oh, forget, fuck, is it Chicago? Uh, Chicago. Um, anyway, I'll I'll find it. But yeah, you know, you you get what I mean. Like they made they made seven seven million gross. Like uh, on the film itself, like the, you're telling me you can't help, you know, push forward the actual Hampton House agenda. You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't, it's just, it, it doesn't sit right with me. And uh, you know, th- this is sitting in limbo is a little bit different, um, obviously. Uh, but in this, in in a lot of cases, I feel like there's a lot of times where, uh, you know, it, it just comes across as. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be a community centre, right? Um, so yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I just it it just makes it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth, uh, as you can imagine, right? Um, but uh, on this side, on the sitting in limbo front, it's great, it's great news, and uh, the fact that it won award. But I really do hope you know people like Andy Bryan and uh, and all the others involved in the Windrush scandal. Uh, victims of the Windrush scandal, survivors of it at this point, um, really do get the justice they deserve. Um, not just compensation, but you know, just a genuine justice. And um, yeah, I'll leave it at that, ladies and gentlemen. From the Fifth End Podcast Network, I've been Tony. It's been most good. The amount of times I have stopped this recording to like blow my nose or just to uh, just to rub my eyes because it's watering 
is stupid. Like, I've been suffering this past <laughs> this whole episode. Oh my gosh. You have no fucking idea if I kept this shit in. Like, I, I, I delete a lot of sniffs, alright? Just trust me on that. Anyway, um, I'm just powering through, guys. S- salute to me. So powerful I am, like, from, from, ugh, muscling, firming my hay fever. Uh, <laughs> intro music was too much by Vanilla. Uh, thanks to your breakfast for your ability to use the track. You can find both their links in the full show notes. Thanks to Nappy Hire for use of Charismatic for the interlude. You can also find his uh, link in the full show notes. And with that said, hope you all have a great week. I shall always try and do the same. Hope you get this fucking hay fever sword. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.